good? Yeah, we're good. All right. Well, you all, I'm so glad you're here today. We're starting a series. I have never preached a series on heaven before. We're going to be here for three weeks. Not in heaven. We're going to be talking about heaven for three weeks. Um, and uh, so uh, I hope that you guys will enjoy this. It'll be something different, something new. Matter of fact, this series will be a great time for you to invite someone that's not a Christian. Uh, too, because I found this topic is, is very interesting to everyone. The question, what happens when we die? Uh, we're going to be answering those kind of things. What is heaven like? What is eternity like? So we're, we're so the, the series called Three Truths About Heaven. The first one is Truth One. And the main thing is this. Heaven is a place where things are as God intends them to be. Okay, so when I grew up, or I was growing up in the 80s, 70s and 80s, I was a little confused about heaven because, according to Warren, heaven isn't too far away. It's close to us every day. And then Belinda Carlisle told me that heaven's a place on earth. Okay? And then uh, the movie Ghost, I found out that if I dressed up like uh, Whoopi Goldberg and gave $4 million to a Catholic charity, I would go to heaven. Okay? I learned that. Um, and uh, so there are a lot of confusing messages about heaven. But before we get started on this, uh, I need a volunteer. Who, who, okay, anyway, all right, so, all right, so this is a mic cord here. I want you to take the end of this mic cord here, okay? So take this end right here, okay, and just walk up there, okay? Let's see if we can, if it can, okay, you got it? Keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Look at that. All right, keep going, keep going. So all the way back. Okay, you guys see our mic cord right here? Okay. Now, I want you to imagine you can come forward a little bit so we're not like really split it. There we go. Okay, you guys see this? Okay. Well, this road, this mic cord right here, is the entire entirety of your existence. Okay? Except for it doesn't stop with Ava. Everybody wave to Ava. Everybody wave to Hey, Ava. Yeah, okay, good job. You're doing great. Let's stop with Ava. It goes out of this building. It goes out of Nicholsville. It goes out of Kentucky. It goes out of America. It goes out of this planet. It goes around the Earth a hundred times and then out into infinity. That is the timeline of your existence. And this part right here is the time you get on Earth. Now, some of you, so this is the point where you're born, and this is the point, point where you die. Some of you are here. Some of you are here. We don't know. But at some point, this nanosecond of existence is going to end in death. Death rate's 100%. If you live long enough. And from this point, all the way out, you're going to spend in one of two places, the Bible says, heaven or hell. And so, how we live in this breath, this, the Bible says it's a mist that appears for, for the morning and then, and then, de- then goes away. How we live in this, this, this blink of an eye will determine how we, where we spend the rest. Of eternity. And most of us, myself included, don't think along those lines. 
We don't live. We don't make decisions. We don't choose our values. Knowing that from here, 99.999999% factorial of your existence is going to be stuck someplace else other than Earth. And the things that we think are so important here matter nothing once we die. Okay. And so I wanted to begin with that to establish the perspective that we have to have. And, and I, 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 it's amazing to me that people don't think about the afterlife very much. Um, there are three reasons that I, I can find why people don't think about heaven and hell very much. Because heaven and hell were mainstays of preaching in the 1800s and 1900s. The revivalists always talk about eternity, always. But it's very rare to hear it in churches now. And I think one of the reasons is, is, is affluence. I think that what medieval peasants and people in Jesus' time dreamed about heaven, we kind of see. If a person from Jesus' time was to be transported to now and would see this building with electricity, with cell phones, with, with couple seats, with, uh, with air conditioning and everything, he'd be like, wow, this is unreal. This is kind of like how I pictured heaven to be. So I think affluence is kind of kind of taking that. You know, things are so good. We're so comfortable that we don't really think about heaven very much. The second is, is, is a, a, a paganism. Um, the, the, our culture wants to accept death as the end. If nothing happens after that, then we'll have no accountability to God or anything after we die. And then third, I think ridicule. I think Satan's done an amazing job of ridiculing anybody who talks about heaven or hell. The caricature of the fire and brimstone preacher is a, is a comic. It, 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 it's laughable in our society. It doesn't matter if what he's saying is true or not. And therefore, any talk of the afterlife is, is, is immediately ridiculed like you're a fire and brimstone preacher. And therefore, we avoid it. And yet, thoughts of what happened to us when we died never fully leave us. The past, I've been present beside many people who died. Part of my job. I was chaplain of the VA hospital and gave end of life care to a number of veterans. I've held the hands of church members who I dearly loved as they died, past and returning. One particular instance stands out to me the mother of a pastor friend of mine. His mother was the end stage of life, and my friend asked me to be there with him. His mother was not a believer in Christ. Her son was a pastor. And he done everything he could to lead her to Christ. She wouldn't budge. I'll never forget the look of abject terror on her face as she approached the end. All the arrogance, all the condescension that she had towards her son, her son's face, gone. All self-assurance. All pithy, dismissive phrases she loved to say about the church. They were all gone. She was in a total panic. Grab and grab her life. Give me this drug. Give me this. Get the doctor in here. Just to keep her alive. Another 10 seconds. Any I've seen that state of panic before. Instead of the being hospital, the event of life care to a broken Vietnam veteran. He destroyed his life on drugs and alcohol. His face was heavily jaundiced. His body had wasted away. He was in his final hours. And I asked him about eternity. I was a young seminary student. I was 24 years old. And he said, if there was a God, 
there was a God, the things he had done in Vietnam just weren't forgivable. And I said, yes, they were. And he began to list the things. He killed a mother while she was nursing her baby and left with the baby who died through. Terrific things that he done. And I told him, that's nothing that God can't forgive. If you truly repent and you want eternity, and he wouldn't listen, his voice the face of panic. Call the doctor, get him in here. I can't die now. I can't die now. What he kept saying. Because in those moments, the three things I just mentioned, affluence, paganism, ridicule, they were just gone. And he was face to face with his eternity. The arrogance, ridicule to find brimstone preacher was gone, and they maybe for the first time were forced to confront belief. And if you ever want to know the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian, I invite you to the death bed of peace. The Christians I've given end-of-life care for is dreamless different. They're peaceful. They're assured. Their families have both a mixture of grief and joy. Grieving that they're losing their loved one, but joyful that they're going to be in the arms of Jesus and they're finally going home and that this death is, is not the end. Atheists have no such belief, no such comfort. The atheists are completely different. No joy, no peace, nothing but anxiety, terror. And if you don't think, I'm, uh, if you think I'm, I'm lying, I invite you to the bedside of a dying atheist. I've never seen stark contrast between people that are on their deathbed. Then you truly see the person. And so, with that in mind, I'm going to talk about Heaven. The first thing that we learn about heaven is heaven is a place where things are as God intends them to be. Lord's Prayer tells the primary truth of heaven. Matthew 6, 9 13 says this This then is how we should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was saying that he, our prayer should be that things are here as they are in heaven. In heaven, things are as God intends to be. There's no question. There's no second-guessing. There's, no, uh, there's no sin. There's no sin nature. There's no questioning of God's uh, leadership. There's no sleeping in on Sunday morning. Things are as God intends them to be in heaven. Okay? And so the definition of heaven is a place where things are as God wants them to be. And so that brings us to our second point. And this, is, this runs up against what we've been taught about heaven our whole lives. Heaven is not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. And see, Revelation 5.13 says, And I heard every creature in heaven on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. To him who sits on the throne. That ain't you and ain't me. It is God. Heaven is not about you. See, I always grew up under this thought that heaven was a place where everything was the way I wanted it to be. You know, I could eat anything I wanted to and not get fat. That's what I thought heaven was like. There, there, there's this, uh, uh, this, this, this husband uh, went to the doctor and, and found out that his cholesterol was too high and, and it was unhealthy. And so the doctor uh, got rid of all the stuff he enjoyed eating and put him on a diet of bran muffins. And his wife was made, made sure that, that, uh, that he stuck to the diet and he lived about another 15 years and he died. He went to heaven, and St. Peter let him in and, and took him into this huge room where there's this huge table, just nothing but food. I'm talking 
steak and potatoes and french fries and desserts and you know, all this kind of stuff. And, uh, and the guy said, what is, what is this? And he said, well, this is the heavenly banquet. And he said, well, I can't eat this. My health is like, hey, hey, this is heaven. There's no such thing as bad health. And he looked at his, he looked at his wife and starts crying. His wife said, why are you crying? And he said, what for your stupid brand muffins? We could have been here 15 years ago. Okay? See, I, I always thought that heaven was a place where it was about me, where I could do what I wanted to do. Heaven was portrayed to me as a place where I could see all my friends, hang out with all my buddies. Do what I was doing, though. Know, there's a 20-point buck in every in, in every uh, field for me to hunt. There was, you know, motorcycle roads where you didn't fall off your motorcycle. You know, it was just what I wanted to do. I assumed that in heaven, it was about me. Never once was heaven portrayed as God-centered. That's in the heaven I would be the main character. Believe it'd be about me and what I want. Well, in third grade. I got, I got to go on a field trip to the live filming of a game show. Uh, one of the game shows, I can't remember what it was, and it, it, it was it, but it was being filmed in Lexington at the TV studio, and we got invited. When they needed extras in the crowd to clap and applaud and all that kind of thing. And so that was a great first time I'd ever gotten to do this. Now, I'll never forget, there was a guy standing right behind the camera, out of camera with this sign that said applause. And when he held up, we were supposed to clap. If you ever wonder why um, game shows or whatever, people start clapping as they catch commercial, that's because there's a guy with a big thing applause. Okay? And so we did this, and it, it was great and everything. And they told us, like, a week later, it would be airing on TV. So all of us, my, my family, got together around the TV, and, 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 and we were going to watch this, and because this is what I was in the audience for. And so at one of the commercial breaks, we were all clapping. The camera pans across. The crowd, and for like like a minute or something, like a quarter of a second, you see me like this. And I'm like, hey, you see me? And mom was sick from the cup of coffee. Oh, I'm sorry. I missed it. My big moment on TV. Well, guys, I made a mistake of thinking that I was the main character. I was not the main character. You know, the contestants, the host, they were getting the camera time. I was an extra in the audience, and I got one quarter of a second on screen, and I had the audacity to think that I was the main character. Well, guys, that's what heaven is going to be like. God is the main character. You and I are extras in the crowd. And, guys, when, if you get that, if you understand that, heaven is about God and His glory, about him being lifted up, him being shown to be the ruler, the master. He, he is, the, he is the, the, in all his beauty, all his glory, being magnified as to who he properly is. And you and I get to enjoy that for eternity of God being the main character, not us. See, guys, when we are the main character in our story, we've tried that, haven't we? How many of us tried to be the main character in our, in our own story? How's that working out for you? Right? Because we are not the main character. God is the main character. And so that is what heaven is in eternity of enjoying and beholding the beauty and the greatness and the awesomeness of God. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound very, very fun. Well, let me thank you to, let me, let me uh, discuss that to you. I love being a man. I love being a man. Things that awe me, it strikes me as the things that I find the most enjoyment in. When I was nine years old, 
I saw the Grand Teton Mountains for the first time. I've never seen mountains before. We landed at the, at the foot of the Grand Teton Mountains and stepped off the plane, and there was the entire Grand Teton Mountains. They were there, there in Wyoming. White cat, clouds moving in and out, and I just drank it in as if my nine year old eyes had never seen something so majestic and so amazing, just breathtaking. And I sat there, I could have sat there for hours drinking in the beauty and the awesomeness and the majesty of the Grand Teton Mountains. I don't know if you guys have ever been through a wonder of creation, maybe Niagara Falls or the Grand Canyon, or maybe some of your scuba divers in the Great Barrier Reef and, and uh, mountains, waterfalls, things like this, where you just stand there and you enjoy the amazing feeling of beholding greatness and beauty. Have you ever had a, 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 most, a, a, a minute like that, a moment like that? Have you ever been there? I have, and I am enjoying these things more and more. Well, let me tell you, the one who created Niagara Falls, Grand Teton Mountains, the Great Barrier Reef, the Grand Canyon, is a million times more beautiful and majestic than most things he has created. And so, heaven will be in one huge, breathtaking moment of drinking in the awesomeness of God, like a nine-year-old king mountain for the first time. God will be the main character. Heavenly way it says, be one gigantic great, breathtaking enjoyment of God being God. And that poses presents a problem for some people, honestly, for most people. Because if heaven is all about God, and heaven is the place where things are as God wants them to be, what happens if you don't like God? What happens if you don't really like what God has to say? What if you don't like God's ways? What, what, what if you just don't like what the words of Scripture say? What if you don't really think that adultery is that bad a thing? What if you don't think that porn is that bad a thing? What if you don't think that lying or scheming or, or, or uh, blasphemy isn't that big? What if you don't really think that's that big a deal? Well, going to heaven where things are as God wants them to be really won't be your boat. Really won't be your thing. You guys, point number three is heaven will actually be hell for people who don't love God. If you don't like God, you don't like His ways, you don't like worship, you don't like seeing Him lifted up in light and majestic, heaven is going to be awful for you. Philippians 2 9 through 11, therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What if you don't want to bow your knee to God? What if you don't want to confess that Jesus is Lord? What if you don't love Him? Well, there's a, there's a problem. And God said, Well, because I love my people, and because I'm a gentleman. I don't force anybody to be anything. If someone does not want to be in a place where things are as I want them to be, if someone doesn't love my commands, doesn't love my ways, if their hearts are so resistant to me and they don't love me, then I will not force them to spend eternity in a place with me. What I will do is I will create a place where I am not, where not one trace of me is. And that's where they can go. Because to spend an eternity worshiping me, acknowledging me, will be hell for them. And to create a place where they can go where I am not. And the atheist or the unbeliever 
take yes, that's awesome. I don't have to deal with God. I don't have to deal with his people. I don't have to deal with anything. I'm just going to go there. You know, like Mark Twain said, I want to go to heaven for the, heaven for the weather, hell for the company. I'm going to have a party down in hell. Well, the problem is that Satan's deception makes you think that that's actually the, the way it's going to be. But it's not. Because when God withdraws from a place everything that flows from him, every blessing, everything that, that flows from him departs as well. There will be no friendship in hell. There will be no laughter in hell. Those are God's things. There will be no mercy. There will be no reason. No logic. There will be no friendship, no love, no joy. Nothing of those things that emanate from God will be there. There will be nothing but the absence of those things. And nature affords a vacuum. And in the absence of joy, the absence of laughter, the absence of friendship, the absence of everything, there'll be nothing but grieving and wailing and gnashing of teeth about this stuff. For Satan and evil have free reign. And if you don't think, if you think that evil has free reign on earth, no, not in the slightest, God is holding them back. We've not seen pure evil. You may have seen evil, but you have not seen pure evil until you get to hell where God is gone and Satan has free reign. That is what hell is. And that's where people will choose by their own choice because they don't love God. They don't love His ways. They do not want to spend an eternity embracing and seeing the beauty and the majesty of God. They will choose to go there themselves. And by then, it will be too late. You say, how can a loving God Send people to hell. He doesn't send anyone to hell. He doesn't send anyone to heaven. We choose where we go. God is not going to force His will on anyone. He wants people in heaven. He wants everyone to be saved. Not everyone will. And I pray that every one of you would see through the lies of Satan this morning that hell is not the place for friendship. It is not the place you want to go. Heaven is the place you want to be, but it's where the things are as God intends them to be. So if you have a rebellious heart this morning, if, you're, if your will and your stubbornness is resisting God, resisting His way, resisting His, His will for you, I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you break that this morning, and that you bring your will and your heart into alignment with God so that, you will, so, so that when you get to heaven, it will be just a continuum of where you are here on this earth. So number four, God says, we live our lives right now in light of eternity. Instead of thinking about this, what we can get in this earth, we think, we, we plan, Lord, I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to see you lifted up. I want to see you magnified. I want, I want to see your will be done. Therefore, I need to live like it now. Okay? If heaven's a place where God, things are as God wants them to be, then we need to live our lives in a way that our homes, our lives are, are, are the way God wants them to be. Okay? One of the things that trouble me is the about faith that many people think when they consider heaven. Um, I've talked to people say, well, I don't like church. I don't like worship. I don't want to follow God's will. I don't like God's ways. I live for myself here on earth, but I'm looking forward to heaven. That's still human sin thinking. You know, heaven is a place where you get to enjoy God being God. See Him lifted up, exalted, glorified, acknowledged as the great God that He is. Okay? So, if we don't live like God is the main character, now, why would we think we would enjoy heaven with God as the main character? So, if we need to remove ourselves and make less of us, more of God, 
One of the problems I've seen, one of the things preventing that, honestly, I'm going to be kind of candid here. Um, there's a story in the Bible about a man that comes up to Jesus. Well, the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler had all kinds of wealth, and he kneeled at Jesus' feet and said, What must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, You know the commandments. Follow them. He goes, I've done all of those things. And then the scripture says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And said, You still want to be right. Go sell all your possessions and follow me to your treasure in heaven. And the young man went away sorrowful because of great wealth. I heard a brilliant, brilliant commentary on that scripture that I think is very relevant for us today. I don't think that riches are this culture's thing. I think the thing that we are, that God is keeping us from God, that the big thing that we can't walk away from, the big thing that's keeping us from following Jesus, I don't think it's riches. I think it's sexuality. I think that sexuality is this culture, it's our culture, what wealth wants to the rich young world. I believe that. How many people have, quote, quote, deconstructed and, and at the root of it, it's always sexuality. I want to live with my girlfriend. I want to live with my boyfriend. I want to, uh, I want to sleep with who I want to sleep with. I want to um, do whatever I want to do, and, and I can't do that and be a Christian, so I'm walking away. Every person I've ever seen is quote-unquote deconstructed has had sexuality at the, at, at the basis of it. And so that is the thing that will keep you out of heaven. That is the thing that will keep you from following Jesus. That is the thing that you, you that, that will cause you to walk away from God sorrowful. The rich young ruler left sorrowful because he had great wealth. And in the same way, so many of us are going to walk away from God because of that more than anything else. And so if that is something that you need to surrender to Jesus today, do not be the rich young ruler. His story is in Scripture for a reason. He went away sorrowful. And I don't want you to do that, and God doesn't want you to do that either. So that is something that is stopping you from following Jesus. I think, and I think that is the number one thing in this culture, is keeping people from heaven. And our, our, our culture has made such a rush about it. Such a, I mean, it's on every station. It's, on, it's in every song. It's in every movie. It's every, because it is the one thing that Satan can throw in front of us that we simply can't walk away from, and therefore we walk away from Jesus. Okay? So, if that is something that is keeping you from the enjoyment of God, enjoyment of heaven, I'm going to ask you by the power of Jesus Christ to lay it down today, to repent and allow Jesus to cleanse you and to heal you and to redeem you so that when you meet that, 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 Eternity, when you are on your deathbed, you will stand in eternity in heaven. Like I said, my prayer every Sunday morning is Lord, let not one person in this church be lost. Let not one. Like heaven, I found, is a place where your opinion doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you say. Um, doesn't matter what I say. Heaven is a place where you find out and embrace. And love and accept fully that you are not To some people, that's a very welcome message. To me, that's welcome. I'm so glad I am not God. And it's not up to me. 
because I know my friend, and I screw it all up if I want it. Probably, if you are self-aware, you know that too. So, heaven is a place where you find out you aren't God. But the problem is, in here, with every person, is that there is a part of you that hates God, part of me that hates God. It's called the flesh nature, and your flesh nature is resistant to God. It hates everything about God. It hates His words. It hates His commands. It hates uh, being obedient to God. It hates everything about it, and it will pull you away. Okay, your flesh nature desires the things of this world, and if we do not slay that, it will carry us straight to hell. So today, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to beg you, I'm going to plead with you, I'm going to exhort you as your pastor, your friend, to lay down, to crucify that sin nature, that flesh nature. Stop letting it run your life because your eternity is at stake. One of my favorite stories is the story of the last execution carried out in England. A man named Charlie Peace was executed. He's the last one to get executed before they banned capital punishment. He was a murderer. He was a, he was a, he was a rough character. He was getting what he deserved, and he knew it. And a pastor was called to, to his jail cell right before he was to be executed. And the pastor was bored reading kind of absentmindedly from Revelation, depiction of hell, and everything like that. And Charlie Peace stopped him, and he said, Hang on, Pastor. Do you really believe what you just read, that this is what hell is like? And the pastor was kind of taken aback, kind of shook him out of his slumber, and he said, Well, yes, yes, I do. And Charlie Peace said, Well, I don't. But if I did, I would crawl all over England, even if it was covered with broken glass, to tell everyone about that to save people from what you just described. And the pastor was taken aback because he had, this condemned criminal had a clear picture of the horror of hell and the beauty of heaven that he as a pastor did. And every time I hear that story, I think, do I truly value heaven? Do I live life in light of eternity? Do I wake up saying, Lord, if today is my day, I am ready to come to you. And I cannot wait in my heart yearn for the place and the time where you are lifted up, where everyone in the world sees you for who you are, where you are lifted up. No more lies, no more deception, no more minimization, no more paltry phrases, no more lukewarmness, no more just, just mailing it in from Christians and from atheists. But you are seen with as the awesome God that you are, where things are as you want them to be, where everything is falls under your command. I cannot wait for that. I yearn for that. I cannot wait for that. And then my heart breaks because I know so many people don't. And so our prayer for you guys today is that you would yearn for heaven. Because when you yearn for heaven and you focus on heaven and you focus on eternity, where things are as God wants them to be, your life here completely changes. 
all of a sudden, all the things you think are so important just don't matter. When you look at that mic table and this is all you got in the rest of its eternity, how important is the house you got? How important is the job you got? How important is the money you got? How important are the looks you have? How important all that stuff just fades away and everything that God values all of a sudden becomes what you value as your life moves into alignment with God. We would live very different lives if we truly desired heaven. So my question is, how are you going to be different if you walk out these doors? Will you yearn for heaven? And will you live your life in light of eternity? By loving God for all He is. Loving His way. My prayer is that not one of you in here would be lost. My prayer. My prayer for you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week.